click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host Joe McLean, it is great to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Friday. You have survived it. Congratulations. Well done. You made it through the week. Praise be to God. Uh, Today is a great day. Uh, We're going to have a great show today. Here's a question. Will Australians ever be allowed to go outside again to actually hang out with people other than the folks living in their home? We're going to have a conversation. I don't know if you're aware of the incredibly draconian lockdown measures that have been going on down in Australia, but it's it's pretty bizarre stuff. And we're going to be talking to Charbel Reish today on the program. He is the founder of Perusia Media about what the situation is down there. Uh, do they have hope that things are going to be easing off? Australia is going for a zero case um, program. Will they? Can you? Can you chase zero? It's kind of like chasing your email inbox. I just don't see it as ever happening. Uh, what happens when you open the borders? But at any rate, we're going to have a conversation with Charbel about the situation in Australia coming up at 15 past the hour. Also on the program, we're going to be talking about uh, dysf- the gender dysphoria issue, uh, transgenderism with Walt Heyer. He is going to be on our uh, program at 35 past the hour. He's a guy who uh, transitioned. He had hormone blockers and he had the, the medical surgery. And for eight years, he lived uh, as a transgendered woman. And then he transed back. And he's been spending the rest of his time, his life. He's 74 years old now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and his website is sexchangeregret.com. We'll talk about the causes of transgenderism and much, much more at 35 past the hour. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. Praise be to God for it. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. It's Friday. Anything good in the news? Uh, well, uh, the Vatican gave $800,000 in uh, scholarships to students that are oh. looking to go to Catholic universities. I thought so. you were going to say they, they were going to send us a check for $800,000 oh. to support Catholic Radio. Catholic but. Radio, no, 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 no. but we'll, mm. we'll, hopefully we have some listeners that are hoping to donate <laughs> later today. <laughs> we have one more hour to go in our personal goal of, uh, of share and that comes up at, what, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern, I believe. Uh, so by God's grace, we'll hopefully hopefully hit it. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos, but only barely today. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Are you awake? Oh yeah, wide awake. Wide ready to awake. Go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Praise be to God. I was having flashbacks earlier this morning. I looked over and you're drooling on the console again. I'm like, nah. oh, the good old days. The I was just taking a, a quick nap, set my alarm, you know, get some uh, five minute shut eye <laughs> right before. You know, feels good. <laughs> There's nothing like a a, a nice uh, ten minute power nap. Huh? <laughs> it's a hundred percent necessary some days. Some yeah, I, days. I catched him the other day, and I was like, Adrian, are you praying or yeah. are you sleeping? Meditation, <laughs> prayerful <laughs> meditation. That's why uh, I like the uh, Apple Watch because it gets you uh, it's that's to set an alarm on it that mm. just like shakes your arm a little bit and wakes you up without having like, to uh, like a be a blaring <laughs> thing. Shakes your arm. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're wearing the watch on your arm. Well, it'd have to be pretty powerful to shake your arm, no? <laughs> no, it just vibrates on your arm. Huh, interesting. Yeah. It's, like right. being, it's like being tapped on the shoulder. Is it, isn't that what it's like? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow, well, praise be to God. We're, any, any special plans for the weekend, anybody? 
Yes, I'm going to uh, a talk on uh, the traditional Latin Mass this evening uh, at the University of St. Thomas. And tomorrow I'm having a deacon friend of mine over at my place for uh, dinner. So Wonderful. There you go. Mm. That's amazing. Praise That's be awesome. to God. Uh, and uh, so what's on the menu then? Uh, we're talking brisket here. Oh, oh I'm going to be uh, cooking only Roast. the highest mm-hmm. grade mm-hmm. steak. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What time um, shall I show? Um, uh, yes, yes, you can show up mm-hmm. at ten. We uh, will be eating ten a.m. at six. Awfully early for dinner, <laughs> but uh, that must mean you're serving lunch too, right? Yes, you may show up then. <laughs> All right, praise mm-hmm. be to God. I will. What's the address? I mean, just write that down. Oh, uh, right. It's yeah. um mm-hmm. right next to uh, uh, Nun and, and Yah. <laughs> none and yeah it's in the intersection it's on the there corner of yeah, none it's in the intersection right there uh-huh mm-hmm. uh-huh uh-huh is that like next to a business yes yeah uh, in the corner mm-hmm. of none and yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. okay it's my favorite place actually <laughs> i can imagine all right enough of the shenanigans i never get invited to the barbecues but let's pray <laughs> and uh and uh, dive into it we're gonna have breaking news and stories here in a moment we'll have saints of the day gospel of the day 15 past we're going to talk to charbel reish uh from perusia media in australia about what's going on down there 35 past the hour mr walt hire a former transgendered uh person is uh, going to be on to talk about uh, why there is such a, a disproportionate amount of suicide, depression, what causes uh, gender dysphoria, are people born that way? We're going to have all of that at 35 past the hour. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic Vote, the state of Arizona has filed lawsuit against the Biden administration this past week, arguing that the president's vaccine mandate overreaches the constitutional powers of the federal government. Arizona Attorney General Mark stated, quote, The federal government cannot force people to get the vaccine. The Biden administration is once again flouting our laws and precedents to push their radical agenda, end quote. Arizona is the first state in the U.S. to sue. From Catholic Vote as well, in his homily, Pope Francis, on the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross this past Tuesday, condemned the political use of religious symbols. Preaching at the Byzantine Divine Liturgy of the Feast Day during his trip to Slovakia, Francis told a congregation of 40,000 worshipers that the cross is not a flag to be waved, nor a political symbol, according to the Crux Report. Four Catholic pro-life students are suing Jesuit-run Creighton University for refusing to give them religious exemptions to a campus mandate that all students must be vaccinated against COVID-19 before attending in-person classes this spring. 
Also from Catholic Vote, Californias for School Choice are building a movement to put taxpayer education dollars directly into the hands of students and their families, allowing them the freedom to put the money towards schooling and homeschooling of their choice. California's for School Choice, an organization that believes that the state funding for K-12 education should follow the student and not the school district. Also from Catholic Vote, aboard the flight returning from Slovakia trip on Wednesday, Pope Francis responded to a question about pro-abortion politicians receiving communion by saying abortion is a murder. The Pope urged bishops and priests to be pastoral rather than political when dealing with pro-abortion politicians who represent who present themselves for holy communion but added that the Catholic Church must remain firmly opposed to abortion because it ends a human life that deserves respect. From LifeSite News, the pro-freedom movement Action for Canada on Wednesday hosted a webinar to provide an update about its nationwide efforts, including its legal fight against the government and resource individuals who can, can use to resist compliance to unlawful measures. Action for Canada said it was experiencing an unprecedented growth after various provinces initiated vaccine passports. From LifeSite News, medical experts across the country say the mental health of children has deteriorated during the pandemic, with a large number of children taking up beds and emergency rooms due to a shortage of placements, providers, and resources to combat the mental crisis. Since the onset of the pandemic, children's hospitals throughout the country have seen a rise in the number of children who need mental health help. From Blaze News, the fans of the rap artist Nicki Minaj protested outside of the headquarters of the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia, after she had tweeted her thoughts being against the vaccine. From Blaze News, Texas Governor Abbott has ordered several points of entry at the border. The border shut down after thousands of illegal aliens encamped under a bridge while awaiting refugee processing the sheer negligence uh, the sheer negligence of the biden administration to do their job and secure the border is appalling read the emergency statement from abbott from blaze news almost half of the new gun buyers in the u.s say since 2019 have been women According to the results of a new study, the 2021 National Firearms Survey from Northeastern University finds that an estimated 3.5 million women have become new gun owners since January of 2019 through April 2021. Nearly 4 million men have become new gun owners as well for a total of 7.5 million new gun owners in the U.S. And lastly, from Epic Times, Cuba has announced that they will begin administering its their own COVID vaccine for children as young as two, despite the vaccines that have not been recognized by the World Health Organization. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Friday. The saint of the day is Saint Lambert of Maastricht. 
He was born in 635 at Maastricht, Netherlands, and was born to the nobility. He was a son of Aper and Herisplendis, and was received a good and religious-oriented education. He was a student of St. Landolados and a saint of Theodardus, and he was a priest, a bishop of Maastricht, Netherlands, in 670. He was forced for political reasons into exile from Maastricht from 674 to 681. He was a missionary in Toxandria, which is modern-day Brabant, with St. Willibord of Eknark in the late late 7th century. He apparently worked with the St. Wito and St. Plechelm of Golderland and St. Otger, and with St. Landorda, he founded an abbey, and he was murdered for defending the sanctity of marriage, which is very politically inconvenient for several powerful people of the day. He was martyred by being stabbed through the heart by a javelin in 700 at the chapel of St. Cosmos and St. Damien in Belgium while celebrating Mass. St. Lambert of Muscrete, pray for us. <laughs> that was not easy. You got to hand it to him. There was a lot of landmines to step on in that uh, saint of the day. Maastricht. Uh, praise be to God. Well, the, the gospel of the day comes to us from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Jesus journeyed from one town and village to another, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Accompanying him were were the twelve and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome points out that pious women should minister of their substance, meat, drink, and clothing to their teachers going about with them. But as this might have given cause of scandal among the Gentiles, St. Paul mentions that he allowed it not in 1 Corinthians 9.5. They thus ministered to our Lord and his apostles of their worldly substance from whom they received spiritual riches. So St. Jerome points out that there was an issue uh, here about women traveling and providing for in the Jewish culture, but our Lord here has these ladies. It's a powerful witness. Uh, John Paul II would point out in Mulieris Dignitatum the importance of their witness as a, among his disciples. And uh, he says, if we wish to understand it fully in relation to the whole of human history, we cannot omit the perspective of our faith, the mystery of woman, virgin, mother, and spouse. And he points to Our Lady as the penultimate example. That's going to have to do it, but in the next segment coming up, Charbel coming to us from Australia is going to give us the latest lockdown information. We'll be right back. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, 
Oh my goodness. You'll put a smile on God's face and he'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Walt Heyer is going to be on his website, sexchangeregret.com. Uh, is a great resource for those that are suffering through gender dysphoria. We'll talk about the the causes of gender dysphoria. Are people born that way? How can they uh, be helped? Uh, how can people uh, help others to prevent them from going through these insane uh, gender transition phases. All of that coming up 35 past the hour with Walt Heyer. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Charbel uh, Reish from uh, Perusia Media, and he comes to us from Australia. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Or in your case, good evening to you, sir. That's right. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. It is evening here, uh, Joe, so uh, great to be with you, and good morning, everyone. Well, thank you for your time. We're very grateful. Now, uh, we got to say, as... As uh, Americans watching the media all the time, we look at the news, and, uh, and the videos coming out of Australia are, to me, really insane. Very dystopian uh, situation. At least that's how it appears from the outside looking in. Uh, people being harassed just for being outside, whether they have a mask on or not. Um, it's it, Australia seems to be chasing this uh, mythical number of zero when it comes to COVID cases. Uh, is that possible? What is life like right now in Australia for you and for your family? Yeah, great point. Uh, we we actually, uh, at one stage of the year, we were sort of uh, the model, the go-to place. We had zero cases in the whole country for quite a few months. And so we had churches open again. Easter was great. Everything was going really well. And then come June, uh, we had one case in, uh, in the city. Then it, it came to four and five. Then very quickly... Uh, cities started to shut down, uh, even just with a handful of cases. Um, and this Delta variant has been used in the media, uh, is being spreading like wildfire. And, but the problem is, uh, I think, um, we've not been consistent with our messaging. So what has happened is, uh, they've shut down even more so harder areas, sort of local government areas in different parts of different cities. So that's where we have police there, the military there helicopters flying over, making sure no one's allowed outside after wow. a certain time with a curfew. So it, it, it sounds, it, you know, it, it's quite alarming. It's like a, a tale of two cities in Sydney where I live, um, but it's, it's, uh, it's the same around the country. We've got Victoria as well locked down. Uh, in Queensland, uh, we have borders closed across the state, so you can't even cross um, uh, from state to state. So, yeah, it, it is quite interesting. Everyone's aiming for this zero number, but now, with the vaccine numbers going up, uh, they're admitting now that we shouldn't be just looking at the cases. We should be also looking at the hospitalizations and the deaths. So um, it, I wish they said that like four months ago. Yeah, but the thought comes to my mind, well, 
you can chase zero. You can you can try to limit things. That's I guess that's a good intention. However, um, it's an impossible reality. The minute you open your borders, the minute you accept tourists back in, whether those tourists are vaccinated or not, you are reintroducing uh, the opportunity for people to uh, be contagious and to get infected yet again. Um, what it seems like a, there's a uh, there's a, a a disjointed thinking here. Uh, is the government really representative of the will of the people in this? I mean, do the, do the people of Australia want to live in this sort of dystopian uh, world where police, uh, police helicopters are chasing them down because they've gone outside for a moment? I mean, that just seems really weird and bizarre to us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, it is... Um Interesting. We've not been used to this. You know, the Australian culture. We're, we're typically very laid-back people, easygoing. Uh, we just want to get on with our lives. We're, we're not. We're not uh, one to sort of uh, interfere with each other. Uh, we, we look. You know, we look out for each other, but we're, we're, we're definitely not one to huh, be um, like this. Uh, we're, this fear campaign. It, it's a bit of a problem. Uh, we're living in fear at the moment, and uh, we've got to realise that COVID is not going away, and, and so. We have to look to overseas and see how people are doing it. Um, uh, you know, the goal was to get high vaccination rates, and it looks like we've achieved it. We've hit seventy percent first dose, and 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 New South Wales state where I live is eighty percent. Um, but even now, we're realizing that the vaccine is not lowering the cases. They're still they're still going up. Right. So um, again, it, it's just again another thing where we thought, okay, you you get your vaccination numbers high. The cases should typically come down, or at least the hospitalizations. But that's not the case. They're preparing for even more hospitalization, uh, more people in us. So, I guess it's very confusing. Um, and so you have the media, you have the restrictions from the government, and then you have, uh, yeah, then social media doesn't help too. You've got the very polarizing uh, messaging. So you got com- two extremes, and and we've got. I think the real problem here, the real pandemic, in my personal opinion, is a division among friends and family. Um, over this this topic, and I, yeah. I hear it's happening also across the states. With uh, you're introducing mandates as well, and that's where this real debate is coming to light now. The the I'm getting a quote in my head right now from one of my favorite films, Shawshank Redemption. You get busy living, or you get busy dying, and uh, and I think that's part of the one of the aspects of this whole conversation on mandates, lockdown, vaccines, and everything else that we've kind of forgot about. What kind of life do we really want to live? Do we want to live a life that uh, requires people to live indoors perpetually? And and from what I understand, uh, they're starting to relax a little bit in Australia. There are now not just five reasons for a, an Australian to go outside. There's six reasons. And if you're if you're not vaccinated, you might have an interaction with one other person outdoors, socially distanced, of course. But if you're vaccinated, well, now you could have maybe up to six people hanging out together. I mean, is this the life Australians choose to live? I mean, it just seems, again, I keep going back to this, but it really seems bizarre thinking to me. Uh, What about the Catholics down there, Uh, the Catholic faithful? How are they reacting to all of this? Yeah, I mean, churches have been closed now for, wow, quite a few months now. Um, And so it is getting to that point where people are just, you know, I've had enough, uh, you know, imagine that as far as Catholics are concerned, having access to the sacraments of the lack of. Um, again, it, it is still interesting because uh, you have, uh, I guess, the church 
publicly uh, uh, you know, encouraging vaccinations, but now it's we're getting ready for Freedom Day. We're about four weeks away, and what they're calling Freedom Day, where uh, the vaccinated at 70%, double vaccinated, will have certain freedoms. The unvaccinated will have lesser freedoms. And then the ultimate goal is that once you hit 80%, then everyone um, should be normal, but there's still going to be certain freedoms for the double vaccinated. So this is a real debate. And now churches, so there's pressure on places of worship. Will uh, religious leaders allow non-vaccinated people into their places? And, and it looks mm. like it's very weak as I'm talking to you. Um, we're very hopeful that that will be the case. <laughs> so so all people will be welcome. And we're hearing sermons from priests and, and others saying all are welcome. Um, uh, and, and so it's an interesting one because uh, not everyone is on the same page, I have to admit. Uh, basically, the Catholic faithful are echoing, I guess, what the, the, what the rest of the culture is doing. So if... Um, it's very divided, even within the Catholics. So I have to say, those uh, wanting the church, wanting the sacraments, can't wait to get access to them. And, and yes, there are, there's a real debate about whether the vaccinated or unvaccinated um, can mm. come together. I, I just pray, uh, you know, people can use their common sense. We have freedom um, and it's not mandated at the stage. And let's hope it doesn't get to that stage. Um, uh, we're already supposed to have herd immunity at 80%. So... I don't know what the problem is, to be honest. We're talking with Charbel Reich. He is the, the founder of Perusia Media, perusiamedia.com. You should check it out. Uh, incredible organization. Um, you know, did you, could you ever imagine, uh, Charbel, um, if we went back five years, ten years, uh, two years, that the world would be divided over vaccines, the world would be it, creating a second-class group of human beings because they didn't receive a shot. And the, even within the church, there are, there are church, there are p- parishes that would be denying those second-class citizens, second-class Catholics, uh, access to the sacraments because they didn't have a shot. Could you even imagine that even two years ago? No, not at all. No way. <laughs> Can't believe it. Uh, Jesus came for the sick, didn't he? Um, not for the healthy. And so... Uh, he's come for everyone, and, and it's great to hear more voices this very week um, rise up as as we're getting closer to Freedom Day and access to the churches again. People are starting to realize how silly it is. It's actually becoming a logistical nightmare. Business owners are now speaking up, and I think this is where I, I don't think that the vaccine passports are going to be successful because it's going to be a nightmare policing it. Uh, they're going to, a, a business owner is expected to have um, bouncers or, or security guards at every door? Are they going to be facing these uh, fights at the door? Uh, we've got a whole bunch of people who have been, who've had COVID, who are supposed to be immune now, have Im- uh, immunity, um, who can't get a second shot for four months. So they don't get the vaccine passport until next year. <laughs> so there's a lot, about 40,000 Australian citizens who, who are missing out there. So there's a lot of people unhappy here. And um, I think. Um, as we, as week by week, we're getting closer to Freedom Day, as we're preparing for, we're going to realize these vaccine passports are really not the way to go. Um, it's, it's not going to be the way to do things. Of course, each business is it's up to them, but um, but as far as the government's concerned, uh, they still have not mandated it. It's not. Uh, it's still um, an opt-in. It's still voluntary. A vaccination is still voluntary. And uh, and to be honest, that's the way it should be, right? <laughs> the church itself 
people keep quoting the church, it has not mandated vaccines. Yes, it's encouraged it, but for those who are not vaccinated, I mean, we can't be uh, denying them, surely, of, of the sacraments. It's funny because uh, there's this meme going around, we have about two minutes, uh, that it's uh, people are saying like things like, oh, Jesus would have socially distanced and that, uh, and that those kind of things. And people have been responding and they're saying, what are you talking about? Jesus uh, touched lepers. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking the story of Fulton Sheen, whenever he, uh, would drop the cross into the leper's hand because he didn't want to touch the hand of the leper and then realize how disgusting that he was mm. for not touching the leper. And, uh, then he deliberately placed each cross into the palm of the leper's hands after that when he realized what he was doing. And it seems like we're doing the same thing here. We're going crazy and we're like, oh, these people are the, the unvaccinated. They're, they're dirty. We're, we're going to start ringing the bell every time they come through. And, uh, it's, it's not a spirit of Christianity. Could you speak on that? We have about, we're about a, about a minute left. I, I think of Mother Teresa in Calcutta, again, helping all the, all the lepers and, um, serving them and she embraced them. And, and so we, we've really just got to calm down and take what we call a chill pill. <laughs> Calm right down and, and take off the two extreme uh, things. I think if we stay down the middle, sensible. I'm not a medical doctor, but I'll listen to medical advice. At the same time, we can't over-rationalize things and think it's the end of the world. I mean, we sometimes think uh, that being vaccinated is, it makes you sort of invincible or you're not. We're seeing cases rise like crazy uh, around the world. So end of the day, we've just got to be careful, be sensible, use common sense, be welcoming, free, and just don't. Don't force people against their will. I mean, end of the day, we've yeah. got to accept uh, this. This is a medical thing, and the church has never mandated this. So um, right. don't feel obliged to feel guilty. If, if, you, if you're still uncomfortable, I think people need to follow their conscience and, uh, and, and trust, trust, of course, uh, speak to their doctor and, and do all that. Do the right things. Just don't go crazy either. Right? There's two Amen. extremes. Amen. Go away. All right, Charbel, Raish, praise be to God, of Perusia Media. Check them out, perusiamedia.com. Charbel, God love you. Thank you for it. Have a good day. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is up next. Many who live the homosexual lifestyle attempt to justify their behavior by saying their same-sex attraction is natural for them. That's to say they didn't choose it. But is this justification reasonable? I answer no, and here's why. First, an individual's inclination or desire can't be the standard for morally evaluating human behavior. Such logic leads to the justification of any behavior, even ones we intuitively recognize as immoral. Second, the objection associates the term natural merely with an individual's tendency, as opposed to tendencies that are common to our nature as human beings. That's to say those tendencies that belong to our species as such and target objective goods that perfect our nature. An individual's same-sex attraction might be independent of his or her choice, but that doesn't make it natural in the sense of giving moral justification to act on it. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. This is Janice, and I'm here for your headline news. Epic Times, the United Nations has warned that artificial intelligence systems may pose a negative, even 
catastrophic threat to human rights and called for an AI application that did not use in compliance with human rights to be banned. From Epic Times, as White House officials responded to Nicki Minaj's claim on Twitter that the COVID-19 vaccine led to an adverse health problem, the rap star later said she is being targeted for asking questions about the shot and compared the reactions to the Chinese regime's censorship. From Epic Times, California wildfires are threatening to burn some of the state's famous and gigantic groves of old growth sequoias in Sierra Nevada, prompting officials to wrap them in aluminum foil insulation. From Epic Times, Minnesota Supreme Court allows proposal to dismantle and replace police departments on ballot. The Minnesota Supreme Court on Thursday ruled that voters in Minneapolis will be able to have their say on the city's police department on the local ballot. Also from Epic Times, reports of Chinese citizens from Chinese military-affiliated universities are being denied visas by the United States, which indicates that the Biden administration is continuing a Trump-era policy regarding national security. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis told elderly priests from northern Italy that aging is a privilege because they have the chance to suffer like Christ. Quote, he states, you are experiencing a season of old age, which is not a disease, but a privilege, end quote, he said on September 16 to a letter, a letter written to elderly priest from Catholic News Agency. As the Biden administration prepares to require COVID-19 vaccinations at many workplaces, a a Catholic bioethicist urged the administration to keep an alternative to vaccinations in place, that is, weekly testing. From Catholic News Agency, Catholics are the religious group that has the most vaccinated members in the United States. According to a new national survey by the Pew Research Center, the survey of 10,349 U.S. adults found that 82% of U.S. citizens who have been vaccinated self-identify as Catholics which has received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine compared to a 75% of religiously affiliated adults from a Protestant denomination. Hispanic Catholics tend to be more vaccinated than white Catholics. Other major religious groups in the United States, the least evangelized religious group are evangelical Protestants. From Catholic News Agency, the Papal Foundation has awarded nearly $800,000 in scholarships to 96 priests, brothers, sisters, and lay faithful as part of the St. John Paul II scholarship program. The scholarship will enable the recipients to study at 16 different universities in Rome. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Benedict XVI has said that the legalization of same-sex marriage in many countries is a distortion of conscience, which has also entered some Catholic circles. 
Lastly, from Crux Now, the U.S. Bishops Conference is calling on Congress to follow through on immigration reform after the House Committee has approved language last week that would create a pathway to citizenship in the forthcoming budget reconciliation bill. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Friday. Praise be to God in all things. Walt Heyer is joining us right now via Zoom chat. Uh, Walt spent eight years after uh, hormone therapy and surgery as a trans- transgendered woman uh, and then had uh, a moment of clarity and trans back. And he's been spending the rest of his years trying to help others who struggle with gender dysphoria and other issues. His website is sexchangeregret.com and he joins us now. Good morning to you, Mr. Hire. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here this morning. Yeah, it's one of those topics that can be a very uh, difficult topic. It can be a very hot-button, uh, confrontational type of a topic. But I think it's one that your witness and testimony is uh, powerfully shedding some light into this darkness. Can I ask you, um, are people born this way? What causes gender dysphoria and related issues in the transgender uh, topic? Well, that is a great question, and one that I particularly like to answer. Actually, gender dysphoria is actually a term, not a diagnosis. Gender dysphoria is actually a signal that there is something deeper going on in the in the individual's psyche, and that is uh, the fact that no one is born transgender. Uh, that it's a it's developed typically in uh, childhood although some adults develop it later in life. Uh, The idea that gender dysphoria exists, actually, when we break it down, it's a symptom of either in in adults uh, who are married or otherwise living their life uh, as a man. When they transition, they're probably suffering from something like autogynephilia, transvestic fetish disorders. Uh, Maybe they're just transvestites or cross-dressers, really not gender dysphoria at all. So the the term gender dysphoria in that application doesn't apply. And then for children who have the, what we call the early uh, onset, what we find is that they're being influenced either by uh, older siblings or by somebody at school or by their parents. Uh, They're given the idea that they could, uh, quote, change their gender, which let's be honest, biblically speaking, it is categorically impossible to change a boy into a girl or a man into a woman or a woman into a man. It, it can't happen biologically, it can't happen hormonally, and it cannot happen surgically. So what we really have is uh, persona uh, changes. We don't have gender changes. The term gender change is actually false. Uh, no one actually transitions. That would suggest that the surgery and hormones actually affected a change in their gender, and that doesn't happen. So there's a lot of untruths that we need to kind of unpack and realize that's going on, uh, and lying to children and telling them that they can change their gender is actually child abuse. Wow. Walt hires our guest. His website, sexchangeregret.com. Uh, check that out. But uh, well, I have also heard many times that among people in the transgender community, uh, suicide and depression are disproportionately higher than the average for the rest of society. Why would that be? 
Well, I think the, the, the basic reason is when we're dealing with a population that has that this, when, when I say that people don't have gender dysphoria and it, it's a symptom, that symptom is something like uh, that exposes the fact that they have body dysmorphia, they have bipolar one disorder, schizophrenia, dissociative disorders, uh, anxiety disorders, social adjustment disorders. And this group of people with these disorders were shoving hormones into them and cutting body parts off of them. And that's why this group, after having undergone these surgical and hormonal changes, are 19 times more likely to die by suicide than the general population who don't go through this. So we're, we're not providing good, sound, effective therapies for the underlying comorbidities. And that's really caused by the fact that we're looking at gender dysphoria as a diagnosis. That's false. We should never do that. We should be ignoring gender dysphoria as a diagnosis and looking for the underlying comorbid disorders that are actually causing them to behave in these bizarre ways. You know, there is the... Uh we have about three minutes or so, two minutes before we go to break. But, uh, Walt, the question I have for you is that we seem to see not many people detransitioning. We see people on TikTok, on YouTube, on social media talking about their transition stories. It's becoming all the rage among uh, young girls, especially, and uh, but even uh, young boys. And we talk to uh, people about this, of, of, of a father trying to protect his son in Texas about this exact issue. Um, well, we never hear about detransition stories. Is it not happening at all? Are people not interested in that? Well, actually, there's a lot of people detransitioning. There's a lot of stories about detransitioning in the UK and here uh, in the US. My website, as a matter of fact, has gotten over 2 million hits in the last seven years from people. I have over 10,000 emails in my inbox. The fact that you don't hear about it is because I have been ready to do shows on ABC and other network television shows. And once they find out that I'm anti-transitioning, they won't allow me to be on. So uh, like so many of the social media groups, they suppress the fact that this is going on. I am working right now with three people who had surgery this year and want to detransition. I'm working with people every single day who are detransitioning. So uh, the fact that you don't hear about it doesn't mean it's not happening. What's the percentage of those that go through the hormone and surgery process uh, only to uh, want to come back and trans back to what to their biological gender? Well, you know, that's a hard study to find. But there is one that was published uh, in the UK Guardian, July 2004, uh, where the title of the article says sex change surgeries are ineffective according to researchers at the university of birmingham hold that thought hold that thought walt hires our guest sexchangeregret.com is his website all get him to finish that thought on the other side of this break don't go anywhere we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment got to drive down we'll be right back this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. 
We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Walt Heyer is our guest. His website, sexchangeregret.com. That's sexchangeregret.com is on with us, talking about the issue of transgenderism. Right before the break, uh, Walt, I I, I rudely interrupted you, but that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yes, right. Uh, uh, But we were, I asked the question about what was the percentage of people who go through the the surgery only to want to come back? Like, uh, is there a percentage that you can put on that? Well, the University of Birmingham did a study on this. It was published in the UK Guardian, July 2004. You can go see the article. Uh, And they said it was 20%, but they also said that uh, a large percentage of the people who go through the surgery are lost and they're unable to track or find them for accurate research studies. What we know is that 90% of the people who go through this process are lost for follow-up studies. So we're only able to actually sample 10% of the people. And here in the United States, because of HEPA laws and so forth, we don't know how many people have gone through it. And so we don't know how many people actually detransition. What I can tell you is that I have worked with well over thousands of people uh, in the last 12 years, and not one of them, including myself, has ever been counted as somebody who detransitioned. Here I'm speaking to you as a detransitioner. I've never been counted, and neither has anybody else that I've ever worked with been counted as a detransitioner. Um, how many in this segment of society. I, I'm struggling to come up with the right terminology here. How many people suffering from transgenderism, uh, gender dysphoria, or what have you, are homosexual? Well, I, I can only address the fact that the people that I work with, 90% of them are not homosexual. Wow. See, that's the, I find that fascinating. I've heard you say that elsewhere. And that blows my mind because we relate these topics. We we link them. I think we're sort of um, told just by way of the way society handles this issue in the media and on social media that they are one and the same. But you're saying they're not. Yeah, well, here's what we need to understand. It's an issue of identity and not of sexuality. In fact, many of the people who transition Uh, from male to female will say that they're a lesbian because they're still attracted to females. So 
you know, they're, they never, the, the group that I work with, I work with so few people who identify or ever even experienced homosexuality. There are people who are suffering from bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, dissociative disorders, and all these other issues of life. Many of them were sexually molested. And I think it's important to understand that some of the men, many of them that I've worked with who are sexually molested, remove their genitalia, not because they want to identify as a female, but as protection against ever being molested again. So wow. the idea is that if they get rid of their genitalia, no one will be attracted to molest them. The same is true for females who identify as a male. They were, many of them, sexually molested, and they feel like if they get a beard and, and look like you with mustache, <laughs> that nobody's going to molest them again. So uh, oftentimes this is protection against being molested. It's not about being a transgender identified person. Can you speak uh, on this topic? I read somewhere, I'm trying to remember where, I was trying to look for the article, but I couldn't find it. Um, they were saying that among young girls, uh, transgenderism has become almost a social contagion where they're witnessing, they're seeing people do it on YouTube and on TikTok, and they're like, uh, and people started start imitating that, and that it's like almost contagious among young girls. Uh, could you speak yeah, on that? Yeah, I can address this issue. I work with young girls as low as 10 years old to 15 years old, and I've worked with them with their mothers. They don't have gender dysphoria. And it is a social contagion. They're doing it because their friends are doing it, because it's a fad, or they find it uh, on the Internet. Uh, we've, we've had uh, as many as four or five girls going to Planned Parenthood to get uh, hormones at the same time. Uh, so this is a social contagion. They don't particularly have uh, any issues, except it's, they think that they want to experiment. Let's face it, the schools today have become transgender indoctrination centers, and they're pushing this ideology on our children where they should not be doing it. And uh, I, I always tell parents, take your kids out of public schools because mm. the public schools are now a cesspool. Let's talk about the impact on family. I know, Janice, that's something important to you. Yeah, Walt, I had a question for you in terms of the correlation of the decline of family life in society. Uh, I feel like a lot of these issues uh, at the root of it, it's uh, these, you know, these individuals have motherhood or fatherhood wounds. And I feel like it's a it's a it's a ripple effect because, uh, you know, it's it's a it's also affecting our family culture overall in society. What's the correlation between uh, family life and trans the, the gender dysphoria that you see with the people that you work with? Well, it's absolutely linked together. I mean. Uh, these these children who come out saying they're transgender, it, this is what I call a childhood developmental issue. It's a family issue. It destroys families. People think and encourage their children, just like my grandmother did me. Here I'm talking about it 77 years later because of the harm that it did to me. I don't want children to be put into a, a boys put in a dress because it is emotionally and psychologically child abuse. Mm. And we shouldn't be putting boys in dresses or girls identifying as boys. This is absolutely insane. And we should be standing up. Jesus Christ made people exactly the way they need to be. Amen. And no man should be changing them with hormones or altering their bodies or telling them there's something they're not. They are absolutely beautiful human beings the way God made them at the time. The sperm hit the egg. Nothing can change. That is just who they are, that's who they're going to be, and we need to celebrate that and keep them 
on the straight and narrow looking at Jesus Christ. So that brings up a great point in regards to the the official, the, the science, capital S, trademark over the E, science. Uh, they, you, how did they get to the point where, you know, if you try to convince someone that they are anorexic and you start making them lose weight and, or if someone believes that their arm is, doesn't belong to them, they chop it off. That's, uh, that's medical abuse and, uh, they will go get, get in a lot of trouble for that. But how on earth did this become normative in the scientific community? Well, it's because many of the people actually in the faith-based community started using the terminology that was advanced by the LGBT, which, by the way, these terms, if we were really to be honest about it, I I did a a film for the Catholic Church called Wolf in Sheep's Clothing 2, The Gender Agenda, and it shows in that wonderful, it's a long movie, but it's factually correct, that this is about Marxism, and it's about how they want to destroy the church by destroying men and women, because once you destroy the male and the female, you can destroy the basic foundation of church, one man, one woman, marriage, Jesus Christ, and the development of the family and the church. Well, so what do we do then? We have, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes left in our conversation here with Walt Heyer from uh, sexchangeregret.com. If we're, we're living in a day and an age where governments have made it illegal to provide counseling to people who are suffering with this or 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 help them to trans back, how do we overcome this? How do we help people struggling with these, what seems to be psychological disorders rather than gender disorders? Well, I think the the key factor is that when we have somebody who comes in and begins to talk to us as clinicians or helping people, that we need to absolutely disregard the idea of gender dysphoria right out of the box and begin treating the underlying issue. Okay, let's find out. Were they sexually abused? That's not gender dysphoria. Let's treat their sexual abuse. Or do they have body dysmorphia where they just don't like some part of their body? Then let's treat gender dysphoria. I mean, let's treat the body dysmorphia. If they have a dissociative disorder, let's treat the dissociative disorder or schizophrenia. The problem is that what we're doing wrong, even in the faith-based community, is we have accepted the idea that gender dysphoria exists when in fact it really doesn't. It's just a symptom and it's not a diagnosis. We need to blow off this idea that people are gender dysphoric and begin to look at why they're doing it. Like you mentioned earlier about the kids, they're doing it because it's a social contagion. That's not gender dysphoria. They're doing it because it's experimental. Speaking speaking about some older adults actually have serious issues and anybody who's been sexually abused like I was, We need to treat their sexual abuse because it's a crime to sexually abuse people and they are suffering. And that does not comport to gender dysphoria. It comports to somebody being sexually abused. And we have to address that issue. Speaking about kids, Walt, um, I feel like the most vulnerable demographic here are the children in our society, uh, especially with, you know, uh, the push for uh, these ideas in public schools and policies. And uh, what how can parents today or uh, how can we protect the most vulnerable children in our society uh, with with these issues? You got about a minute. We take we take them out of schools that that use any of the curriculum that suggests that they can transition or that they can be experimenting with their gender. This is horrible stuff. It's child abuse. It should not be in our public schools. And it sickens me when this happens in our society. 
Wow. Well, there's so much more that we could dive into, but we are just about out of time. Uh, Walt Heyer, uh, the website is sexchangeregret.com. Sexchangeregret.com. I highly encourage you to check that out, dear listener, and share that with people that you know are struggling in this category. Uh, could be a seed that could be planted in their heart that could go a long way. Uh, praise be to God, Walt Hire, for your uh, courage and for your uh, witness in this uh, important topic. I wish more people would uh, come across your website. Yeah, and buy my book, uh, Trans Life Survivors and Paper Genders. You will be amazed at what you're reading. All right. Praise be to God. Walt Heyer, sexchangeregret.com. Thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you. And have a great day. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. So uh, we are wrapping up the the hour of uh, our last hour of Catholic Drive Time for Friday. Praise be to God. We have survived it. Uh, great interview there. We'll be posting that to our social feeds. You can find all of which on our website. But it's also the last day of the fundraiser for the Guadalupe Radio Network, which means I need to remind you once again, no matter where you are, whether you're Station of the Cross, Guadalupe Radio Network, or you're listening online, or wherever you are, support your la- your local Catholic radio station. They are brought to you by you. You make it possible to continue the Catholic radio postulate, especially in a day and an age of censorship by big tech, big brother, right? Help keep Catholic Radio free and operating by making your pledge of support. You can hang out with us at 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern on grnonline.com forward slash CDT for our last hour of fundraising this week. I hope hope to see you there. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. 
He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world, or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again.